Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, August 20th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Older workers are retiring early, and that's not a good thing. Plus, what Congress wants from the post office. But first, Kamala Harris's moment in the spotlight is today's one big thing. The third night of the Democratic National Convention all led up to Kamala Harris accepting the nomination for vice president. Let's fight with conviction. Let's fight with hope. Let's fight with confidence in ourselves and a commitment to each other, to the America we know is possible. Margaret Taleb is Axios's White House and politics editor, and she's here to give us three big takeaways from last night. Good morning, Margaret. Well, hi, Nyla. Yeah, I mean, look, like, here's what we saw last night. Number one, messaging to some of the most impassioned movements in their party, right? Guns, climate change, immigrants, and women's rights. Number two, we saw just the historic nature of the moment for Kamala Harris, first Black woman, first Asian American to be formally nominated as VP on a major party ticket. And we saw her talk about that in that speech with that sort of framing where she was saying, We will tell them not just how we felt, we will tell them what we did. But that brings me to number three. Barack Obama, even though he went before Kamala Harris, in effect, setting the stage or passing the torch to her, it's the nature of his comments, not only so sort of sweeping and aimed at history, but so critical. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down if that's what it takes for them to win. So the gloves were off. And for him, it was really quite a scathing speech. And because of its nature, I just think will ultimately overshadow Kamala Harris's comments as she accepted the nomination. And for our final takeaway, I wanted to hear from our media reporter, Sarah Fisher, because she's been tracking the wins and losses of this convention being virtual. I think that this virtual convention does allow people to get more real, to be more emotional and to connect with people on a more personal level because it's your living room to their living room. The other thing that's working really well is that this convention featured everyday people who were also watching from home and that made it special and relatable. To your point about the emotion of all of this, I'm thinking about the everyday people like Kristen or Kisa. My dad, Mark Anthony or Kisa, should be here today, but he isn't. She was talking about her father passing away from COVID. I wonder how many of those moments that the DNC was hoping would be really connecting with people, moments that would go viral. Is that happening? A little bit because a lot of this was pre-taped. The DNC was able to pre-package some of these moments and set them off on social media in these nice little clips very quickly. So from that perspective, it helped. But in terms of whether or not it was more emotional or not, I think there's something that's really emotional about seeing a face you've never seen at a big convention hall as well that was missing from this. The bottom line, this convention is not getting the same amount of traction as the last convention did. And I would argue it's because it's virtual. Sarah Fisher is Axios' media reporter. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with what to look out for in tomorrow's congressional hearings on the post office. Welcome back to Axios Today. 
This past week, there's been a massive controversy around the U.S. Postal Service and its role ensuring ballots are cast in time to be counted for the presidential election. Now, Congress is taking up this issue. So I asked our congressional reporter, Elena Treen, to help give us a sense of what we should be watching for ahead of Senate hearings that begin tomorrow. Hey, Elena, maybe we should also start by getting everyone up to speed because there's been a lot of news about this this week. There has. But I think one big thing that happened is the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, released a statement that said he was going to suspend any operational changes and reforms to the postal office until after the November election. And we're going to see that kind of play out in the hearings on the Senate side tomorrow and then again on the hearing in the House Oversight Committee on Monday. Elena, is this strictly a partisan issue or not? It's not. It's being portrayed right now as a Democrats versus Republican issue, but there is a lot of agreement between the parties on what needs to be done. And we're going to see on Saturday a vote to try to add additional funding to the postal office to help with some of these delays, especially looking ahead to the November election. But they're also trying to streamline some of these early voting measures. And this is where we're seeing some of that back and forth between Capitol Hill and people within the Trump administration who are against some of these early voting measures. And that's what you're going to be watching for. The big question now is whether they're going to try to wrap some of this into a broader stimulus bill or if they're going to try to focus solely on funding for the postal office. But we'll have to see how negotiations go this weekend. Elena Shreen covers Congress for Axios. Thanks, Elena. Thank you. The coronavirus is forcing people to retire early at a time when older workers are increasingly vital. Erica Pandy is a business reporter who writes the At Work newsletter. Erica, I bet people think, what's the big deal if someone retires at age 55 versus 65? The reason this makes such a huge difference is because 90% of the employment growth in the U.S. since 1998 has been from workers over the age of 55. And as birth rates are falling, this cohort of workers are going to be the most important cohort of workers as we move forward. They're also important as consumers. Those who are over the age of 50 make up $8 trillion of U.S. consumer demand. And if people are retiring at 55, that means their income is going to go away, but also their expenditure habits are going to change. Not to mention, it could push a lot of people into early retirement that they're financially unprepared for. One pretty bleak estimate from the new school has this recession sending 3.1 million older Americans into lifelong poverty. Wow. I wonder if you could answer what's happened with workers over age 55 since lockdown began. So since March, 2.9 million older Americans have left the workforce. Unemployment rates have been consistently higher for older workers since the beginning of the pandemic, almost approaching 20 percent at peak when the average for everyone else didn't get that high. And I imagine also if you're out of a job, it's much harder for you to get a job. But is it even harder if you're older? Yes, the AARP estimates that older workers tend to stay out of work for twice as long as their younger counterparts. And that discrimination of ageism gets magnified with gender and with race. So older women and older workers of colors are seeing even higher rates of unemployment and even longer periods of joblessness. Do we know what the future of our workforce looks like when it comes to older Americans because of COVID-19? Before all of this, older workers were projected to make up a quarter of the workforce by 2025. And economists just don't know if that's going to hold up anymore. If people are dropping out at high rates, there really isn't anybody else to fill those jobs. 
Erica Pandy writes Axios at work. Before we go, for all you car lovers out there, the Ford Bronco made famous by the O.J. Simpson car chase and for carrying the Pope on his first visit to the U.S. is back. It's been gone for 24 years, and I don't think we'd see the Pope in this new off-road version. All right, I'm so, bouncing. Yes. Up a very steep hill in sand and gravel. We're going great. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Axios transportation reporter Joanne Muller rode in one this week and said, it's rare to see people so excited about a traditional car maker, but 170,000 people have already pre-ordered their own Bronco. Woo! <laughs> Fun. Fun. Oh, man. This is great. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.